Okay, everybody, welcome to Inside Out. Welcome to the last week of our four-week series on a good start. I'm going to kind of give you a quick review tonight of what we've been talking about. And again, if you guys want, if you guys miss a Wednesday or if you've got friends that want to listen to some of these messages, you can find us on podcast on Spotify under High Plains Community Church and on the High Plains Community Church website as well. So if you do miss a week and you want to catch up, that's what we're doing. So we're in the last week of a good start. The very first week, we started with John 3.30, and we started about how Jesus is greater, becomes greater this year, and we become less. And that's kind of the theme that we're running with on all this that we're doing. So that was the first week. The second week, we talked about the five loaves and two fishes, and we really looked at how to deal with problems, that we know what our problems are, trying not just not to make them go away, but also that Jesus is present with us while we're going through our problems and that his provisions are always enough. That's where you see the story in the book of John chapter 6 with the five loaves and the two fish. And then last week, we dived into the Old Testament with the book of Micah chapter 6 verse 8 when we talked about act justly, um, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. That's what we've been talking about for the last three weeks. And the whole idea behind this is to give you guys a foundation, which we'll talk about tonight, of how to get started and a good start for your school year spiritually and really how to build you guys up and get you rolling. So really, like we talked about before, though, the theme this year, that I, the theme verse that I want to hang on to this year is John 3.30. He must become greater, I must become less. And the whole goal of what we're talking about, especially with these first four weeks, is how do we do that? And tonight what we're going to do is we're going to dive into the foundation in which we build on. Tonight, I'll be very honest with you guys, I have struggled a little bit putting this message together this week because what I'm going to teach you guys tonight is kind of hard to swallow sometimes. And it's a pretty bold statement that Jesus makes that we're going to look at here in just a few minutes. But before we do that, I got a question. If you guys would turn to your small groups and answer the first question on your small group list, then we'll get into the message here in just a second. What's the first thing you've ever built? What's the first thing you ever built or made and did it last? So turn to your small groups, answer that question, and we'll get back into the message in just a minute. This week's title, if I can title this message this week, it is Rock Solid Faith. I want you guys to be able to leave this room tonight knowing where you're at with Jesus. Because I'm going to give you guys some pretty bold statements that the Lord makes tonight, but he gives us a lot of clarity on what we're talking about. See, we are saved by grace. Everybody knows that, right? Not by works, but by grace. But tonight... We're going to look at what Jesus says about being a disciple, but I want to put this thing into context a little bit. I'm going to break down two different sections of Scripture tonight as I go through this, so it'll be pretty quick, but hopefully you guys will get the idea what I'm going to be talking about. So the first thing is this. Jesus is finishing up what, they, what, the, what theologians call the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 are the Sermon on the Mount. That's basically the very first sermon that the Lord preached going into his ministry. And if you guys have got time, go back and read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, because that's the foundation of what Jesus is teaching us on how to live as a disciple. If you could put it in one sentence, it's this, this whole Sermon on the Mount is how to live a life dedicated, a life that's dedicated and pleasing to God. That's basically what the Sermon on the Mount gives us the idea of. The sermon covers a multitude of topics, and I got a list of them here. It covers the Beatitudes, and the Beatitude, that word literally means blessedness. So when you hear the term Beatitudes, that's chapter 5, verses 3 through 12, are the Beatitudes. It also talks about, through 5, 6, and 7, how to be salt and light. How as Christians, we're the salt of the earth. Salt is meant to preserve and purify, and we're also the light. And you got to realize that when you, before you're saved, you have no light. Because once we're saved, Jesus is the light that is within us. So when we reflect light 
It's the light, the, the light that the Lord gives us that we reflect. He talks about through this, he talks about how anger and murder. Jesus talks about how you have heard you should not murder. But I say, Jesus says, I say that if you hate your brother, you've murdered him. These are very bold statements that the Lord makes through this, through this Sermon on the Mount. He talks about divorce and remarriage and oaths and eye for an eye and, and all that, and loving your enemies and giving to the needy and how to pray and how to fast. Storing up treasures in heaven. He talks about in Matthew chapter 6, not to worry. Don't worry about today. Or don't worry about tomorrow because today has enough worries of its own. So he tells us on how, to, how not to worry, how not to judge and be hypocritical, how to ask when you pray, ask, seek, and knock. He also talks about the narrow gate. How broad is the path that leads to destruction and many will go there. And he talks about the narrow gate, how few will find it. Now think about your Christian walk tonight because I want to challenge you guys. My job tonight is this. I really want you guys to allow God to search your heart so that when you leave this room tonight, you will have no doubt where you're at with the Lord. Be it good or be it bad, you'll know exactly where you're at with God. Because as he finishes up the Sermon on the Mount, and he talks about the narrow gate and false prophets, he gets in this idea of wise builders. But before he does that, and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 27 tonight, and I'm going to split these two in half. And I'm going to read these scriptures to you, and I'm going to break them down for you. Because my job tonight is to get you to think where you're at in your life in regards to Christ. Honestly ask yourselves tonight, Lord, where am I? He already knows. He's probably already been talking to you about it. So tonight I want you guys to know that sometimes when we talk about conditions of a relationship with Christ, that should give us confidence and assurance. But it also should scare us half to death because here's what he says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. He talks about true and false disciples is where we're going to start this tonight. I mean, if you've got your bulletin, it's on the right-hand side of the page. Let's read this. Not everyone's, Jesus says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those, though the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, and that day that he's talking about is the day of judgment. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and in your name perform many miracles? And then Jesus says this, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. This is a powerful thing that Jesus is talking about here because he makes it very clear in verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not, it, he means it this way. Just because you profess Christ doesn't mean that you're in the right spot to get into heaven with him. Doesn't mean you're in right relationship with him right now. I can say I believe in Jesus all day long on a Wednesday night and leave here and go to school on Thursday and act a fool. That's inconsistency. The first point that I have is a very serious warning. It's a serious warning that Jesus gives us here in verses 21 through 23. The first thing is obedience to God's word is the mark of a true disciple. Because what Jesus is talking about are true and false disciples. And a disciple is simply this. Someone who's been saved by grace and is following the Lord. A disciple is nothing more than that. Peter and Andrew, when they were in the boat and Jesus came walking down the shore and he looked at Peter and Andrew, he says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And a lot of you guys have heard me teach this before. The thing that they did that strikes me and I want to live my life this way, it says that they immediately got out of the boat and followed him. Immediate obedience is what it's going to take 
to be a true disciple. That doesn't mean that we're perfect. That doesn't mean we're going to get it right every time. But that does mean my heart's in the right place. See, here's the deal. Many people will follow Jesus, but unfortunately, it will be on their own terms and their own conditions and at their own convenience. Are you following Jesus on your own terms tonight? Are you really following what the Lord's commands are in Scripture? And here's what I know. If you don't read the Bible... This is why pastors and parents and leaders all nag you guys about reading Scripture. Because if you don't read Scripture, you don't know who He is. And if you don't know who He is, you don't know what He commands you to do. See, there's conditions. Jesus says, if you are my disciple, if you do what I command. So a lot of people will follow Jesus. A lot of people will do impressive things. But it's important to remember what John 15, 5 teaches us. See, here's what Jesus says. Jesus doesn't argue with the fact that they drove out demons, that they did miracles. Jesus isn't arguing with the fact that these, this list of false disciples did this. He doesn't bring that up like, no, you didn't. They did. But they didn't know him. They didn't walk with him. See, here's what Jesus says in John 15, 5. I am the vine. You, us, are the branches. Check this word, if. See, that's a condition. If you remain in me, and I am in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So what Jesus is saying about this, these false disciples in this parable that he's talking about is these false disciples were doing a lot of stuff, but not in the name of the Lord, not for Jesus. They may have confessed I'm a Christian, but they didn't do it for him. Colossians 3.17 says this, everything you do in word and deed, do it unto the glory of God through Christ Jesus our Savior. These guys were doing great things. There's, listen, there's a lot of wonderful things getting done in the world, but it will not get them into heaven. And they will hear someday, the people that are doing that, they will hear someday, depart from me for I never knew you. See, here's what I know. Everybody look at me. God called me to be a pastor. And I really believe this with all my heart. Someday I'm gonna stand before God. This is me personally. I'm gonna stand before God and he's gonna say, Dan, what did you teach them? Did you teach him truth? Did you teach him what my word said? Because you guys, I look at you guys tonight, and the last thing I want to do is confuse you, thinking that you might not be okay with God. But these conditions that he gives us, gives us an assurance that that's how we know we're walking with him. So I'm going to stand before God someday, and he's going to, he's going to ask me, how did you do with what I did for you, and calling you into the ministry, calling you to be a pastor? Did you teach him truth? This is truth. Culture changes. Gender arguments are going on in this world today. What's my sex? I get to identify myself. All these different things that culture is squeezing you guys into a lane that is very hard and a lot of gray and a lot of not truth going on in the world. But this is true. And Jesus says, if you're going to be a disciple of mine, you have to abide in me. Here's what I want you guys to get. When a person is truly born again, when you're saved and you've given your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit of God is living in you. That's according to Romans chapter 8, verse 9. The Holy Spirit of God comes to dwell in you. We are now the temple of God. The Holy Spirit, now catch this, the Holy Spirit enables a person to do the Father's will. That's why to do the Father's will, we have to abide in Him. We have to know Him. We have to have assurance that we're in a relationship with Him. And then what happens is, God's love in their heart motivates them to obey God and serve others. See, God's love in your heart, knowing that you're saved, knowing that Christ died for you, should change you, should make you want to have a desire to live for him. 
not to earn anything, but to bring him glory. As you sit in your seat tonight, are you doing that? Faith in Jesus is the root of our salvation, and the works are the fruit of our salvation. We're saved by grace, but the fruit, what we do in our life, should be different because we are saved. Should Christians act differently or no? Yes or no? Yes or no? Should we act differently? Why? Because we have to? No, because we get to. We get to act differently because we're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God dwells in us, which gives us the power to live out this Christian life. He enables us to do what he's called us to. A lot of you guys in here play football, right? Can your coach enable you to play football? No. He coaches you, he encourages you, but he cannot give it to you, can he? You do that on your own. See, God calls us to live a life that's different, that's set apart, that's holy. And on top of that, he enables us to do it. So that's what I want you guys to get. Faith in Jesus is the root of salvation, but our works are the fruit. And according to the root that we have will be the fruit that we produce. The second thing I want to jump down at and look at this idea of this wise and foolish builder. Jesus talks about this because this is the foundation of what we build our life on. This is how you know whether you're wise or whether you're foolish. Verse 24 says this, Therefore, I don't know if you guys have ever heard this, therefore or therefore because there's something before it that he's talking about. Therefore, Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts him into practice, what did he just get done doing for the last three chapters of Matthew? Teaching the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus made it very clear what he wants his disciples to do and not do. So, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew. The winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. I want you guys to know tonight how to have rock-solid faith. After you leave this room tonight, I want you to know with assurance how to have rock-solid faith because this is what the Lord's teaching us. Then he goes on to verse same verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. you got a choice to make tonight. Do you want to be wise or do you want to be foolish? Are, have you been being wise and building your, your life, your house on a rock, that rock being Christ? Or have you built it on the sand which shifts constantly and which makes you foolish? So you look at the second point that I got tonight as a stable foundation. Jesus said the first man was wise because he built his house on the rock. We build our house on the rock simply by being obedient to what God calls us to do. <clears throat> it's not hard, is it? Is it? Think about this. If God calls us, if, if building our life on a rock is being obedient to what he tells us to do, and he makes it very clear what he wants us to do, and yet he enables us to do it, we literally have to reject God to not live this way. We have to say, no, Lord, I'm not doing that. I got to walk away because obedience is how we build our life on the rock. Jesus says his true disciples are not only hearers of his word, but they put them into practice. James 1, through 25 says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. So if you come in here on a Wednesday night and you listen to the word, or you go to church on a Sunday morning and you listen to the word and you don't do what it says, you are deceiving yourself. 
There's action in Christianity. There's things that you've got to do in Christianity. James 2.14 says, what good is it? What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith share them? We're saved, and because we're saved, we do good fruit. We do good works. Not to earn anything, but to bring God glory in what we're doing. This, listen, you guys, this life takes work. It takes effort. To have a rock-solid faith takes effort. You cannot be a lazy Christian. In Luke chapter 6, verse 48, it says the, it's the same story in Luke chapter, in the book of Luke, he covers the same story. He says, the man dug down deep and built his house on a foundation of bedrock. He dug down deep. In Psalm 119.11, it says, it says this, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That, that, Scripture has the idea of someone drilling down, mining ground, digging in to hide your, his word in your heart that you might not sin against him. So are you doing that? Are you building your life on a rock? Are you being wiser? Are you being obedient to God? When we look into God's word, we see what he commands us to do. But here's the deal. You can read God's word every single day of the week for an hour and if you get up and walk away and you don't do what it says, you're deceiving yourself. God tells us what to do, and he enables us to live it out. And if you read the word and you don't do what it says, you are deceiving yourself according to the book of James. You have to act on it. When we walk with the Lord, we learn to trust and obey him. Then our house will be stable, steady, and solid, unshaken by all the by unshaken by circumstances or storms. Have you guys ever known anybody in your life that's just a rock solid Christian? You just look at them and it's like nothing rocks them, nothing changes the, the trajectory of their life. They are walking with Jesus no matter what happens to them, whether a family member dies, car wreck, financial issues, losing jobs, having trouble at school. Have you ever watched a person who's just rock solid in their faith? That takes a lot of effort. But the reason why they're rock solid is because they're doing what he says and they built their life on the foundation that is the biblical Christ. Walking with him, it's not hard, but it takes effort. The second thing you see in this is the unstable foundation. Anybody been on the beach? Anybody in here? Beach? Yep, I like going to the beach. Stand on the edge of the water. <clears throat> Waves are lapping up above your shins. Do you ever feel that sand when the tide goes in and it goes out? Can you feel it? I can feel it right now as I stand here. I hate it. I don't like that feeling. Because I'm like, I'm, my feet, I, I start to dig my feet in a little bit. Dig, dig them in tighter and deeper. Why? Because it's unstable. It's sand. And my, my house, my body is standing on sand. And when the waves come in, I feel it one way. And when the waves go out, I feel it differently. Is that your life with Christ right now? Are you feeling that in your life? As you walk with Jesus right now, can you feel that sand underneath your feet moving around? If you have that inconsistency and instability in your Christian walk, it's because you're building it on the sand. And you're building it on the sand, which simply means this. You're not being obedient to the things of God. You're not being obedient to what God is telling you in his word. The second builder was the foolish man because he built his house on that sand. In contrast to the wise man, the foolish man hears Jesus' words, but he doesn't do them. He doesn't act on them. And he's frustrated, and there's no stability in his life. But here's what I found. Here's what struck me as interesting in the scripture. Both men built a house, didn't they? 
both men built a house, but on two different foundations. Their houses probably looked the same. You ever been around a person on Wednesday night? They're really Christian, aren't they? They look it, they speak it, they kind of walk it a little bit. But as soon as you look on their social media page, do you see an inconsistency? When you see them walking in the halls of school using different language or in the locker rooms or whatever you're doing, is there an inconsistency? Because if there is, they're building their house on sand because they're not being consistently obedient to God. I call those environmental Christians. Are you an environmental Christian tonight? Because when you come into it, depending on the environment that you're in, depends on how stable you are in your Christian walk. If you're in the right environment, oh, I'm a Christian. I know all the Bible verses. I got them all memorized. But as soon as I get out that door on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night, my whole life changes. The way I respond to things on social media, the way I treat my teachers at school, the way I talk to my parents, the way I treat my friends, the way I gossip, whatever it is, it changes. Because here's the deal. When you build your foundation in 1 Corinthians 3.11 says this, for no one can lay any foundation other than the, the one that has already been laid, which is Christ. We can't build our own foundation. We're either going to be on sand or we're going to be on Christ, the rock. One of the two. It's up to us. The one who builds on the sand basically means that their lives are they're doing life their way. They may love God. They may confess to be a Christian, but they're doing life their way. Are you doing life your way? Or are you literally following the things of God? I know this, to me, this, I, I, this message haunted me because it's, been, it's caused me to look within. And I know when I look within, here's what happens to me. I don't like it. I'm a pastor, but I'm still human. And I still have an enemy who's whispering in my ear going, yeah, you're really not that much of a Christian, are you? You don't have any consistency in your walk. Look at you. You're off and on again. Read your Bible. Yeah, but you know, here's what I know. When the devil whispers at you and tries to condemn you, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. God may convict you. Convict, condemnation will drive you away from God. Conviction will draw you, draw you near God. There's a difference there. So if what happens is when we're condemned, we start looking at us and we start overanalyzing me. And then I get my eyes off the Lord and then I start being hard on me and I start being disappointed and I start questioning myself. I don't want you guys to do that tonight. What I want you to do tonight is quit worrying about you. Start looking to God and let God search your heart. He will be faithful to tell you where you're at with God tonight, with him tonight. When the storms come, and rest assured they will, because Jesus told us, in this world you will face many trials of many kinds. <clears throat> but take heart, I've overcome. John 16, tells us that. But when you fall, it will be with a, great, with a great crash. So we have a choice to make tonight. Have you, or are you, or are you going to continue to build your house on the rock? Or are you going to continue to build it on the sand? Turn to your small groups. Be honest and have really open discussions tonight, your small groups. You guys trust each other enough to speak up and let each other know where you're at. And we'll join back in in just a minute or two. Okay, I'm going to close with a song again tonight, but I want to give you guys two quick thoughts to kind of summarize what I talked about tonight. The first one is this, building your house on a rock simply means doing what Jesus says. There you go. Pretty simple, right? You guys can understand that. Building your house on a rock, building your life on a rock, that's simply what it means. 
Building your house on the sand simply means not doing what Jesus says. But I love the Lord because it's your choice. You can literally leave here tonight and say, this is a bunch of hogwash. I'm not doing it. I'm not ready. I don't believe in this Christian stuff. I don't believe in God yet. Whatever that looks like for you. It's your choice. You can do whatever you want. But here's what I want you guys to get, okay? I wrote this earlier and I didn't cover it, but I want to touch on it right now. Your foundation is always revealed during tough times. The foundation you're building your life on tonight and going on in life will always be revealed when tough times come. But watch this. Are you ready? Think. If your foundation is Christ and a tough time comes, won't you embrace it? Because when your foundation is revealed, what do people see? Jesus. Make sense? If we're Christians and tough times come, like we talked about with problems before, don't try to make them go away. Because what happens in that moment is your foundation is revealed. And if you're building your life on the rock, they see Jesus. And isn't that what we're supposed to be doing as Christians? So don't be afraid of tough times. They're going to come for the rest of your days. Trials will come. But you have a choice tonight. And we're going to play a song. And as this song's playing, I want you guys to honestly allow God to search your heart. Be honest with where you're at with him. And ask yourselves, what foundation are you going to build your life on? Pray. Father in heaven, in the quiet of this room tonight, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that as you speak to our hearts, we would just obey you because I know you're faithful to talk to us right exactly where we sit in our chairs tonight according to the condition of our heart and the foundation that we've been building our lives on. I am always amazed, Lord, that your grace enables us to live out what you've called us to. It is not in our own strength. So if anyone in this room tonight, Lord, has been trying really hard, just trying really hard to follow you, trying all they've got, giving everything they are, Tell them to quit trying and just surrender. Because when we surrender to your grace and to your mercy, you enable us for your glory to live out what you called us to. So help us to be like Peter and Andrew so long ago when you were walking down the beach and you looked at them and you said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately dropped their nets, got out of the boat and followed you. So tonight, as you speak to our hearts, just help us to follow you and be immediately obedient to the things that you call us to. Because we love you, not to earn anything, but to bring you glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.